MSW Media. Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Fed's favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond, plus sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Fields for supporting Cleanup on Aisle 45. Fields CBD is the natural, healthy, better way to feel better, and it ships directly to your doorstep in only a few days. Go to feels.com slash cleanup and you'll get 40% off your first three months with free shipping. The rule of law is not just some lawyer's turn of phrase. It is the very foundation of our democracy. The essence of the rule of law is that like cases are treated alike. That there not be one rule for Democrats and another for Republicans, one rule for the powerful, another for the powerless, one rule for the rich and another for the poor, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity. To serve as Attorney General at this critical time is a calling I am honored and eager to answer. So yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time. And for a long while yet, it is going to be clean up on aisle 45. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 54 of clean up on aisle 45. So we have a little bit of a, uh, a back and forth on the on the number of episodes. Palindromic. <laughs> Palindromic episode. Uh, I am your host, Allison Gill. And with me, as always, is um, uh, the other host, Andrew Torres. <laughs> Hi, Allison. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to see you come up from the basement um, uh. for a minute, come up for some air. And uh, we have a pretty big episode today because you and I, um, I think it was a couple weeks ago, had gone over pretty in pretty like weed level detail what that conservation easement thing was (laughs) and it looks like all of our wildest dreams have come true so uh we're gonna break down the new york attorney general's two filings uh for motion to compel testimony from donald jr and ivanka because we already know that Eric Trump testified in 2020. But first, we have new patrons to thank. We do indeed. So uh, these are folks who have signed up for as little as a buck an episode over at patreon.com slash aisle 45 pod. And a big thank you to Free Will. The Rush Tribute is playing Copper Blues Desert Ridge in Phoenix on Thursday the 20th. I think we missed that, but uh, I would definitely go see a Rush Tribute band. Thanks to NS Meds, The Quantum Cue Ball, Chip Garrett, MJ Hinman, Justin Bowman, Caps, Jessica Adams, and Nikki Somerset. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. Yeah, awesome. Uh, wonderful. If you do want to sign up to become a patron. And by the way, Copper Blues is rad. I've been there several times. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. It's a fun venue. Um but if you do want to sign up, you can go to patreon.com slash 45 pod, A-I-S-L-E-4-5-P-O-D. 
Buck an episode. It's awesome. Thank you for your support. Without you, we wouldn't be able to pay all of our bills. So we really appreciate your support. Now, on to this monster <laughs> filing of which I spent. I, I It came out, right? here. We're on the West Coast now. came out at like 930 at night, right? It got dropped into the docket. And I'm like, ooh. And I start reading. And I'm like, this is... Like, I was going to go through, Andrew, and just take a couple of snapshots of the main points and put them in like a three or four tweet thread on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Like, here's the main, here's the main takeaways. Every single line in this filing (laughs) is a crime. It's like, there's so much. And what's amazing is she opens this up by saying, uh, hey, everybody, okay, so... Donnie and Ivanka and Trump have said that they shouldn't testify, uh, you know, they sh- their testimony shouldn't be compelled because I'm on a political witch hunt. And and so in order to answer them, if not for them, I would not be making this filing updating you where I am at the probe in, the, you know, in the investigation at this time. And she also says pretty quite, you know, pretty clearly, she says, this, this is just seven things. Of many that I'm going to tell you about, <laughs> and, and I'm and she says, and I pick these seven things because it will give you an idea of of the depth of some of the you know where we're at with this investigation, but also it, with the seven things I'm about to tell you will not jeopardize the investigation, any of the ongoing investigations, which says to me, this is stuff Manhattan District Attorney's already done and taken care of and put in the you know put in the can, right? Uh, because otherwise, you would be jeopardizing potentially. It, it would be inter- interfering with an ongoing criminal investigation. Yeah, that yeah, that that reading is absolutely correctly. So let let me set kind of the legal stage for this. Um, remember, uh, for our listeners, yeah, Allison, you know this. Uh, this is the civil fraud investigation uh, by New York Attorney General Tish James, um, pursuant to which um, you know the, this kind of investigation was what led to uh, the. Uh, dissolution of uh, the uh, Trump charitable, you know, <laughs> sham charity. Right. So uh, you can hit Donald Trump in his pocketbook uh, in connection with the Trump org. And it looks pretty clear like that's going to happen. <laughs> um, this this probe in and of itself uh, cannot give rise to criminal liability. But as we have pointed out, as Trump himself pointed out in uh, his motion to uh, quash uh, the subpoena to deuces take them to produce documents. Uh, this probe is cooperating, working hand in glove uh, with the criminal investigation. And so uh, I think reading between the lines to see uh, the areas where there is no potential harm to that criminal investigation is exactly the right way to cover it. There, there are also two filings. So you started with the cross motion to compel and opposition to motion to quash. Right. And that is procedurally what happened is uh, the New York Attorney General's office served subpoenas on uh, Trump Jr., Trump and Ivanka and said, hey, you need to turn over all of these records. The three of them collectively filed a go pound sand motion. Uh, that is a motion to quash. And then this is the response back to that of I think maybe we will decline to do that. And in fact, we'll act, we'll ask the court to compel your testimony since you're not willing to give it voluntarily. We're going to get into in the second half of the show the supplemental verified petition, which is essentially the amended complaint here that 
expresses those allegations publicly and sets forth as assertions of facts that are verified, right, that, that say, you know, to the best of our knowledge, right, this is we are attesting that this is true uh, because that gives us pretty good insight into uh, what the New York Attorney General's office thinks. So where where do you want to start on, on all of this? <laughs> well, what I thought was interesting and, you know, I just wanted to kind of give as a general sort of overview of this, the importance of the Mazars documents to, oh, to yeah. this case. <laughs> and, you know, we people have said, oh, why do you keep going back to court for these Mazars documents? It took him a couple of years to get those documents. And it was so important. And you and I had talked about this, that there's probably some, this isn't about getting the tax returns, getting the Mazars documents. What they're looking for is other documentary evidence, either showing intent to devalue or overvalue stuff, or to talk to accountants at Mazars who can testify that that was his intent, uh, or, you know, to show some sort of uh, other sort of criminality. And this new filing, at least the, the, the 115 page one, kind of confirms that because she says on page eight, the statements described Mr. Trump's valuation process in broad terms and in ways which are often inaccurate or misleading to a reader when compared with the supporting data and documentation that the Trump organization submitted to Mazars. Flat out, that's it's a, it's a comparison, especially in, in a lot of these uh, instances, these seven instances with multiple properties, where they actually did have valuations done, like appraisals done and and filed and just ignored. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly correct. And as you look through both of these documents, the it cannot be overstated how critical having that third party backup uh, it, it really is in terms of noticing when somebody has changed the rules midstream to benefit themselves. Right. So, look, Mazars, uh, you know, would would do. <laughs> I, I think there's a there's a there's a like meatloaf, you know, the crossover. We could make it right. Mazars would do a lot for for their clients. Right. The Trumps. That's they've got a lot of money over them. Over the years, but, you know, that they won't, uh, you know, commit out and out fraud, uh, you know, to protect their uh, even their most important clients, because, um, you know, as as we said from the very beginning, when those subpoenas went out, like um, some some companies are bigger than Donald Trump, <laughs> and, uh -huh. you know, and this is a good example of that it, in in the motion to compel. Right. Um, for example, in a, a topic I know we're going <laughs> to dig into the seven springs, you have the exact same issue. Right. Which is we have compared the documents that you have made public versus the documents we've received right so this is page 17 of the motion to compel the accounting firm that participated in preparing his his trump's tax returns has advised that the conservation easements at seven springs and trump golf la generated a federal tax benefit for mr trump personally of more than five million dollars over the course of the tax years 2014 through 2018 the office of the attorney general obtained that concession only after Mr. Trump personally authorized his accounting firm to communicate this information to us. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like th this is. We're breaking through, right, this the stone wall, a brick at a time. Mm -hmm. And um, and even when things, you know, one of one of the things we've mentioned from, you know, gosh, since January 20th, 2017, right, is that. Trump's tax returns standing alone 
we're not going to be a roadmap to crime, uh, but but combined with other documents, right? Help helps, you know, what what stands out as signposts are when you have massive points of divergence. And, yeah. Um, and and those <laughs> valuations after getting appraisals done that had to be lowered for your tax bill. Uh, one of the seven things here and I'll list them in a second is, <laughs> is that he overvalued his liquidity, not only by miscategorizing assets outside of, of his control as cash, but moving some assets into the cash column so they don't have to be individually listed. Uh, it's just a, a a group with a total, a group of things with a total amount. And that helped him hide some of the devaluation and, and you know, and also to say he had more liquidity cash ready than he did. And here's the other things here. First of all, his apartment. He lied about the size <laughs> of his apartment. He just, just... <laughs> Applied that all, you know, a, a, a little bit of advice, right? Everybody lies about the size of their apartment, but <laughs> multiplying it by three is, you know, at at, at some point, somebody's going to look around and be like, uh, 11,000 square feet is not 30,000 square feet. Yeah. Anyway. So it's not just his inauguration crowd or his height yeah. or his weight <laughs> or his vote count or his tiny hands or mushrooms or whatever, but there's a clear pattern of overstating value time and again. Uh, two, he, he overstated his liquidity. That's, as I said, by miscategorizing assets outside of his control as cash. That's wrong. He lied about how he reached his valuations by saying he had like golfers and professionals and other professionals. And then as soon as they couldn't locate one single other professional, <laughs> he stopped putting that language in, the, in, in his, uh, you know, annual statement. Uh, four, he inflated certain certain assets by flat percentage rates that he called brand value and didn't tell anyone. Uh, so like for a couple years, it was 30%, uh, leading up to 2015. He was just like, and everything add 30% on the value because it says Trump on it. And then after 2015, or I think it was, it went down to 15%. Maybe his brand value dropped because he called Mexicans rapists. I don't know, but it wait, he cut it in half. But I, I think that, I think that drove his brand up. Uh, his, well, yeah. it, it, regardless, you, you, you don't get to do that. And it's not part of GAAP, which are what generally accepted accounting practices. So those, oh, let's see, that was four, five. What are the other things here? I'm looking at the A to F, which you went a little bit out of order on pages eight to nine, but uh -huh. um, things like uh, failed to follow the uh, fundamental techniques of valuation, like discounting future revenues and expenses to their present value. <sighs> um, it, again, that's just you know, uh, an indication of somebody who is squeezing at the margins at every possible instance, right? So you you know, you know, that this is really a, a house of cards of fraud if you are booking future revenues as if they are present day revenues, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, for high school accounting will tell you you can't do that. Yeah, um, and he did it a, a few different ways too. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's kick it off with the first number, the number one thing that she wants to tell everyone about. It's Seven Springs and his apartment. <laughs> okay, Trump bought Seven Springs in '95 for 7.5 million. Five years later, a bank valued it at 25 million. In 2006, six years later, the same bank said it was worth 30 million, as is undeveloped, and that's important because of the easement thing. But when Trump told Mazars it was worth $200 million in 2007 and $291 million in 2014, what? So Donald said if he developed the land, 
that's what it would be worth. And that's important because of, as we talked about, the conservation easement, where you get a tax break for not developing a property based on what it would be worth if you did. And as you said, Andrew, that's where the doors open for fraud, massive fraud. Meaning, and I think the the example I used was, let's say you bought Devin Nunez's farm for $65 (laughs) and then declared if you developed it, it would be worth millions. And then you got a chunk back from the IRS for that easement. Overestimating the developed value seems to be like uh, like it's tax fraud. Yeah. Uh, And specifically here, what Trump said was uh, you have 212 acres. That is now zoned, quote, zoned for nine luxurious homes. Mm. And then those luxurious homes, right, would sell for $30 million a piece, right? And uh, and then in connection with that, that's how much money they could have made on the Seven Springs property. Uh, But then, um, this is paragraph 37, the uh, Trump Organization told Mazars, but we're... Because we're such philanthropists, um, this this portions of this property are land to be donated. So we could have taken the full value of this two hundred and ninety one million dollar property that has an objective outside valuation at thirty million dollars and uh, and and built it up and whatever. But instead, uh, we are donating it. So we're going to take that uh, that little uh, and again, it, it, it. that provision is not always fraudulent, right? Like you you can legitimately yeah. donate land to charity, but as uh, the AG's office points out, uh, this is the first time I have seen a uh, reference to McConney, Mr. McConney, the senior vice president and, con- and controller of the uh, Trump organization, uh, testified that the $291 million <laughs> valuation includes the full amount that would be generated from the sale of the non-existent homes without taking into account the years it would take to construct infrastructure, build homes, obtain necessary approvals, and sell the number of homes identified in the supporting data. Yeah. And I think my favorite part here is that the, that value was determined by Eric Trump and a phone call <laughs> yeah. and a feeling And when asked about that, Eric invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And we've talked about this, too. He first of all, he invoked his fifth over 500 times. Now, yep, we've talked about how invoking the fifth cannot be used against you in a criminal proceeding. But this is a civil proceeding and it can be. And so, you know, that's 500 times. (laughs) 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 Okay, but they know that because they're working with the Manhattan DA, if they said something that would, you know, could be prosecuted as a crime, they'll send it over to the DA's office. Yeah, that is exactly right. That is. Uh, and, and again, I, I mean, if I <laughs> a, a, I would never represent Eric Trump, <laughs> but B alternative universe, Andrew, that represents Eric Trump. I think I would I would encourage him to have. I assert my Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination on like, you know, a little micro cassette recorder and just play that, you know, uh, whenever anyone asks him a question, Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, he's a he's a he's a walking ball of crime. You don't want to accidentally confess to it. Um, He is. And and interestingly, though, and I don't want to to, hate to interrupt here, but somebody else who's testified who I hadn't heard of is a guy named David McArdle. And he's the fella who actually appraised Seven Springs. For its developed value, he said, "You know what? Fifty million max if you develop and sell all these houses." And, well, and, and he actually testified. 
and, and I, I love. I'm no. I'm glad you uh, you you went to that. Uh, the the McArdle testimony. Uh, I think is is really really useful in juxtaposing against the assumptions that we just mentioned. Right. So Eric Trump comes up with a two hundred ninety one million dollar justification uh, based on the idea of selling nine homes at thirty plus million bucks apiece. One of the things that should immediately stand out to you uh, as you know, we just talked about from the McConaughey is where exactly like who's buying 30 million dollar homes the same people right. buying 260 million dollar apartments <laughs> good um it, it 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 strains and and one of the things that you have to actually do is in assessing the market value is you know you have to provide some kind of mechanism for you know where you're going to get nine separate MC hammers to come out and buy your thirty million dollar homes. So McCardle says um, nine MC hammers. <laughs> it's 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 parachute pants all the way down, baby. Um, so uh, he looked at um, comparable. Right, this is this is the you know this is what Zillow is doing, right? Like this is what happens when you buy a house. McCardle on a on a professional level. Uh, looked at three different towns, Bedford, Newcastle, Northcastle, right? Um, and said, yeah, if you built luxury homes in the Seven Springs area, you're going to have an average per lot sales value of $2 million, right? $2.25 million max. Um, and then, uh, so let's put them all together. You get under $30 million. Yep for the total value of this property that you have booked at $291 mm-hmm. uh, million. Dollars. Yeah, um, and and since Trump said it was worth 291 the previous two years, and here comes back the, develop, the, the developed amount from $36 million to $50 million, that's developed if you build the houses, which takes a lot of years, but whatever. Uh, he couldn't really report that actual value because the obvious drop will just show that he's been lying for the previous two years. <laughs> so we right. moved the entire seven Springs to other assets, making it look like his cash or his liquidity had gone up by over 200 million. It's not listed individually <laughs> and you're probably not supposed to do that. Yeah. And uh, so let's explain first, I'm going to read paragraph 49, which uh, I think puts this, more pithily and maybe even more sarcastically than I would, which is after receiving the March 2016 appraisal, Mr. Trump's subsequent statement of financial condition was changed in a manner that disguised what would otherwise have appeared as a more than 80 percent drop in the value of Seven Springs, which had been reported to be worth 291 million for the three preceding years. Yeah. When you drop a zero off the valuation of your property like that tends to be a red flag to the IRS. Right. So. Let's put all this together. The reason why this is significant is that part of the inquiry that's being made here for purposes of civil fraud um, contains that C-enter requirement, right? Like it isn't fraud to make a mistake. It isn't fraud to be an idiot. It's fraud when, you know, so for example, right on, on your taxes, you're adding together your income from two different sources. You add together 60,000 and 40,000. For some reason, you write 90,000 down there. Now that's an error in your favor. Uh, it reduces your total taxes. The IRS is not going to prosecute you for fraud for a- adding six plus four and getting nine, even though, you know, 
that might strain credulity a little bit. You're like, yeah, I was filling out my taxes and I was, you know, really tired. And it just that that the numbers ran together. Right. And and people who lie and cheat and and misreport their income on their taxes, you know, get get away with, uh, you know, a very minor, you know, <laughs> civil correction all the time. To build a case like this against Donald Trump and and Trump Jr. and Ivanka, you, you have to show that you filed statements you knew to be false. So as we're going through this, th- this again highlights the importance of having multiple objective third party documents is makes it real. Right. We can believe you, you know, one late one night you thought six plus four equals nine. We cannot believe that you received a detailed multi-site analysis of your property that put its valuation between 30 and 50 million dollars and then you were like oh you know what i just realized this property is cash yeah oops (laughs) my bad and i don't have to individually list its value it's just a it's a total in the other at you know column and And, and you did it with a, a club uh club properties and other real estate you know, just sort of a vague category of other stuff that he didn't have to list individually <laughs> with their amounts. And that also bumped up his liquidity, which is 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 also if you're trying to go to a bank and, and say, hey, I, I need a big loan. And hey, I have access to fast cash if, you know, if this goes south. So it's also defrauding the banks by by telling them, hey, I've got I got 400, 500, 600, 700 million dollars that I can turn around really fast to cover, you know, these loans. And if you don't have it, they're basing their loan on something that doesn't exist. Yeah, no. And and let's unpack what you've just said so that people understand. This is what Donald Trump did. He took a piece of property worth $30 million and declared it to be $291 million in cash, right? So you take an illiquid asset, right? Because if, if you needed a forced sale of a $30 million piece of property, you don't get 30 million bucks for that, right? Again, you know, our, uh, you know, your, your MC hammers don't come around that often, right? If you've, it is illiquid, it it's literally land, right? Like that is, that is uh, the opposite of liquidity. Um, and you're, to, you're doing the developed amount and it's not developed, Right. And so and and so to say, like the the net liquidity from that property is maybe five million bucks. Right. That's what you could get at a distress. You know, you want to say 10. I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not an accountant. I can't I can't uh, I can tell you that it's off by orders of magnitude, not just one zero. But now we're talking about, you know, taking a five to ten million dollar asset. Uh, five to ten million dollars would be, I think, what you could easily borrow against that property to then, you know, fund other obligations and saying that that's the same as having two hundred and ninety one million dollars in the bank. Um, I mean, the the degree of deception there is staggering. And and, and it points out something that I I want to emphasize here, uh, and that is um, these next steps. Right. Uh, that will be undertaken uh, by the AG's office, particularly in connection with Seven Springs. I would not be surprised, even though Trump, Trump Jr., Ivanka got all the headlines, if this is meant to finally 
put the squeeze on and get the cooperation from Alan Weisselberg. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We have talked about that story at great length. Um, but but just reading between the lines here, Donald Trump did not come up with the scheme of I'm going to declare that Seven Springs is cash. Right. He didn't invent that himself. No. And he, it, and it he even got says, advice from somebody. Yeah. And yeah. it even says McConaughey and with the with, so they he, he puts Seven Springs in the cash column uh, and then he also puts his apartment in there and he upped <laughs> its square footage three times because, you know, property is valued per square foot like that to hide the drop in seven springs so it would sort of balance out like i'm I'm worth the same amount of cash right except of course my apartment's not thirty thousand square feet and it says here mcconney and weisselberg helped with that lie and weisselberg admitted it weisselberg admitted that this amounted to an overstatement of give or take 200 million dollars give or take 200 million (laughs) and mcconney i ha i can't help but wonder since he has not been indicted if he's been given some sort of immunity or is cooperating but he is brought up in, in this particular lie about the apartment and using it in cash assets to make up for the huge drop in value, uh, which, which they still overreported anyway, in the cash column. So, and, and also a third unnamed Trump Organization employee testified that he prepared <laughs> the spreadsheets and admitted I, there was a large discrepancy. And that brings us to the idea that there were actually several sets of books that the company would operate off of on a day-to-day basis of actual value of these things and cash, operational cash. It, it. <laughs> and so we have another we have another couple second sets of books. Uh, it it so much to unpack there. And you you didn't read uh, my my favorite. Everything you read was gold. You didn't read my favorite sentence out of that testimony, right? Which is said. Uh, unnamed Trump org employee, the one keeping the two sets of books, a la the doofus from Casino, right? Like <laughs> the the guy who submits his expense receipts, right? And, yeah, the and guy all with all the, the books. Yeah. Um, that guy says, quote, he stated that he had probably discussed the, sc- the discrepancy with either Jeff McConney or Alan Weisselberg. Um, so, you know, there we have, again, this is a public filing. This is a public filing that the New York Attorney General has said does not compromise or jeopardize ongoing criminal investigations. And to say, oh, yeah, we, we, we have witnesses that um, will say that there are multiple sets of cookbooks and uh, probably and again, all you need in a civil suit is probably right. You need you, you do not need beyond a reasonable doubt uh, that um, that that Weisselberg was. Uh, uh, either Weisselberg or McConney were in on the idea that um, that you were using multiple sets of books. Uh, all of that to me, that the presence that that name showing back up again strongly suggests that that is going to be the next step. Right, the next step is not going to be um, uh, you know uh, referral, you know criminal indictment, Trump in handcuffs. We we all want that, um, but uh, but. Uh, Weisselberg has been somebody that uh, that multiple folks have taken multiple swings at, right? Mm-hmm. Because he knows where all the bodies are buried, uh, and if you can finally break him, 
uh, I think that that's going to be uh, that's going to be really, really key here. Um, yeah, because so- <laughs> as, as as you're saying, these are clear things that that Weiselberg could be indicted for in a superseding fashion. Uh, and he hasn't yet. So it's yep. it's interesting. We're sitting on it now. Uh, we <laughs> need to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk about all the golf courses because, you know, we've been like, man, they are operating at a loss. It just seems like he's just trying to pay fewer taxes by owning shit golf courses. <laughs> and and uh, guess what? <laughs> it's real. Uh, and the way that he hit it and maneuvered it to make it look like he, you know, was loan worthy is is also pretty special. So we'll talk about that when we Get back from this quick break. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG for Cleanup on Aisle 45, and I want to tell you about Feels CBD. You know, I work out every morning. I run, and, you know, I'm also getting up there in years, and it's really important for me for my joints to feel better, and that's why I love CBD. It is safe, it's natural, and it's healthy, and it helps eliminate stress, anxiety, and pain from your daily life. CBD has been so helpful for me to relieve that soreness and also nervousness and sleeplessness, all without harmful side effects. It feels there's a better way to feel better, and we have an offer. Go to feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash cleanup, and you'll get 40% off your first three months with free shipping. And the great thing about Feels is it's premium CBD. It'll keep your head clear, and it'll help you feel your best. You can order it online and have it delivered right to your door. And you know CBD helps reduce anxiety, stress, pain, and insomnia naturally, with no hangover or addiction. Just place a few drops of feels under your tongue. Now, finding the ideal dose for you is important, and everyone's dose is different. So Feels has a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. You can rely on Feels' customer service team to get the most out of your CBD. And self-care is easy with a Feels membership. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel anytime. It's super easy. So start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash cleanup, and you'll get 40% off your first three months with free shipping. That's Feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash cleanup to become a member and get 40% off automatically for your first three months with free shipping. Okay, so Andrew, we can just start with Scotland. He bought for twelve point <laughs> six million Aberdeen, <laughs> and uh, twelve point six million in '06, and then said it was four hundred thirty six million in twenty fourteen, uh, based on developing twenty five hundred homes when only about fourteen hundred would fit. <laughs> and uh, Weisselberg testified he couldn't explain that discrepancy. I can't explain that discrepancy, and that valuation for that golf course was provided to Forbes by George Soriel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so 436 million, 12 million. And, and, and he hid that in another thing called, what was it? Club facilities and related real estate. Again, you, you don't have, the valuation was based on undeveloped land and you don't have to list these values individually when you plop it into that category. Yeah. And just digging into the level of detail. And again, The reason you release this kind of level of detail publicly is because you know you have unimpeachable documents, right? So this is paragraph 78. You were talking about the 2,500 homes. So it says the the Trump-Aberdeen valuation, which um, more than doubled the previous valuation from a couple of years ago, computing uh, based on building 2,500 homes, assumes that 2,500 homes would have the same characteristics and same value per home. This ignores that. Uh, as the accounting statements notes, of the 1,486 homes that you could actually build uh, that were the recipient of some level of approval, 950 were to be holiday homes and 36 were to be golf villas. 
OAG has obtained evidence indicating that such properties, under the terms governing Trump Aberdeen, would be rental properties and no individual could rent one for more than six weeks at a time. We've seen that. That dates all the way back to uh, 2017 with Trump going and, you know, sort of declaring that he's living at Mar-a-Lago. That's in violation of the uh, uh, covenants at Mar-a-Lago. You know, doesn't apply to the boss, I guess. But uh, the way in which these golf houses work is it's, you know, it's (laughs) you're not meant to have permanent tenants, right? You're meant to have, uh, you know, these these big uh, kind of, you know, rental spaces that that folks can come in. And so to to say we're going to take the top dollar value, right, the the golf villa value for those 36 houses and then pretend that we are building twenty five hundred of them. Um, it, it It's just fraud. By the way, <laughs> after you've already testified to the Scots that you didn't have any plans to develop it. Right. And, so. And- <laughs> it doesn't even matter anyway. And he got an appraisal that valued it at $40 million, not $436 million. So uh, that brings us to the brand, <laughs> right? The third thing on the list of seven things, the Trump brand. Uh, Trump said his property valuations did not include any additional values based on his name being on the property. But New York Attorney General has receipts. Trump literally literally wrote in a letter, and he never does this, but he wrote in a letter to investors that the brand value was not included in his net worth statements. But the AG includes a copy of that letter in her filing, uh, you know, and, and his valuation for club facilities and related real estate did include a flat rate increase of 30% in 2013 and 2014 for brand value and 15%, like I said, from 2015 to 2020. So he now we have in writing him saying he didn't do something and we have him doing it. Yeah, it, it, this is as as slam dunk as slam dunky gets, <laughs> right? You have Donald's stupid signature with his little Sharpie that says, I am also enclosing a letter that establishes my brand value, which is not included in my net worth statement. Right? Um, except... That it was. And then it mentions that they used an expert witness, an outside golf professional who was the only professional listed on the Colts Neck, Washington, D.C., Hudson Valley, Philadelphia, Jupiter, Charlotte and Los Angeles Golf Club valuations from the statements from 2013 to 2018, who denied ever having provided a valuation of or brand <laughs> premium number four any Trump golf courses during this time period. So yeah, they actually found in. the they Trump, found the you know, dude. you know, Trump's like, oh, I read it on the internet. I talked to Chichi Rodriguez or whatever. And uh, and now Chai Chai Rodriguez. <laughs> they bring him in, whoever this professional is. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I never said I never <laughs> told anything, did anything like that. And, and they, you know, to go further, they couldn't find any outside professional, as I had said earlier in the show. And it was more than just Aberdeen, right? That professional, uh, like you said, was the only thing used to add value to seven other Trump golf clubs and, yeah. and including loans. And these, by the way, these valuations were shoved in this category where you didn't have to lift them individual, individually. And they were used to guarantee loans, including loans guaranteed by Trump himself. So let's unpack all of that. And A, I'm a little bit sad that you didn't get my WKRP reference. If you, if you don't get it, nobody is going to. And now I feel old and out of touch. And, um, but uh, l- l- let's explain what happened here. Trump employed a professional 
to value his golf courses, right? That he owns across the country. That professional gave him a number. Donald Trump then took that number and slapped either 15 or 30% on top of it. And the only justification was Trump golf courses are worth more than regular golf courses. Uh-huh. And, and, and if you think I'm making it up, the statement was Trump branded clubs are more valuable than most golf courses, end quote, right? So I'm taking the number that uh, might be objectively real, and then I'm just slapping a multiply by 1.3. And when they found the objective evaluator, that person said, yeah, I was never told that. And by the way, it would, quote, never be my practice to value a golf course based on fixed assets or add a premium to fixed assets to value a golf course. End of real quote. Mm. So um, kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. And Deutsche Bank and an insurer both stipulated that Trump couldn't add brand value yep. to his stuff. And it appears that's why I, he wrote that letter. He and didn't. I, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's Rosemary Vrablick, actually, but they, she's not named, but it's she's a Deutsche named, Bank. Yeah. She uh, and we know that she's talked to the D.A., uh, but it appears that she said that adding it, she told Trump that adding it would be a breach of covenant. And that's on page 27. Um, and again, Vrablick isn't named, but it seems pretty clear to me. But that shows that somebody advised Trump from Mazars. Remember how I said there's got to be a document out there where Mazar says, we can't do this shit, but this is Deutsche Bank now saying, even Deutsche Bank's like, bro, <laughs> come on. Even, uh, even Deutsche Bank <laughs> is, is going in, is going on a t-shirt. Um, yeah, no, it, 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 it is, again, remember the goal, right? You want to demonstrate unimpeachably uh, that not just that false statements were filed, but that knowingly false statements were made over and over again. I, I want to talk about the Westchester. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to yeah. bring that up because now we're oh, going up gosh. into Mimi Roca's neck of the woods, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and he also grouped Westchester in with club facilities and related real estate. So no indiv- individual valuation was listed, just a total for all of them. And in, uh, I believe, 2011, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he valued it at $69 million. And that's funny, because part of that number is based on future unsold club I... memberships, <laughs> <laughs> which were said to be $150,000 each. But in real life, most people paid zero for their memberships at Westchester. It, it, it... Okay. Maybe <laughs> I need to lead a different life. I don't play golf. I don't like golf. Um, I... I... I, I don't understand the universe in which people pay six figures to belong to a golf club. Uh, I know that there are one or two that sort of justify that amount, whatever. Um, but 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 the idea of, hey, we can't sell these golf memberships at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a pop. So we're valuing the ones that we didn't sell at one hundred fifty thousand dollars a pop, and saying that's what you were you would buy if you were to buy this golf course, right? That's that's a part of the assets. Is oh yeah, it'd be super easy for you, you know, unknown hypothetical future buyer, to sell all these memberships. Um, you might ask the question, well, then why didn't Trump sell all those memberships? And the answer is no one's buying them nope. at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a buy. It's, it's nope. just 13, 12.775 million, right? Almost thirteen million dollars of a sixty-eight million dollar valuation. So, so you know, twenty percent 
of the of the ostensible value of the property in 2011 uh, came from imaginary memberships that they could not possibly uh, have have sold. And then the valuation included twenty eight million dollars for the cost to construct the clubhouse and then two point eight million dollars on future sales. Right. In what what is called receivables from members. So the idea is, yeah, what? Also in that 68 million, we're definitely going to build a 28 million dollar clubhouse and people are definitely going to buy like three million bucks worth of concessions, you know, stupid hats and drinks and things uh, from inside. <laughs> Omelets. Yeah. Uh, it, and yeah. and in a in a in a pattern, we have Eric Trump yet again, uh, <laughs> the source of those wonky valuations in a phone call. And once again, Trump had it appraised and the actual value was way below the stated value. And of course, there's documents showing that. And so he's shoving it into this other category where he doesn't have to list the actual value. It's pretty, it's pretty immense. The amount of, I, I don't, I don't even know. I can't even call it massaging. You're just, you're yeah, not even no. massaging numbers here. Uh, <laughs> Park Avenue. Want to talk about Park Avenue? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Let's go on to Park I, Avenue. Here. I, I, I'm enjoying this one. So, so. Let's unpack this a little bit. Um, prior to Donald Trump becoming president, um, owning Park Avenue, right? And, and, and again, um, this is a prominent, right, internationally recognized uh, prestigious address, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, remember the sort of lead up to uh, the, the 2016 election in which the question was, is Donald Trump a billionaire, right? Um, of Donald Trump's net worth, Trump Park Avenue uh, was a significant factor of that disclosed net worth. Right. Um, at, at, in the later years leading up to the, the election, disclosed at three hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. So in other words, you're you're on the cusp. You're a billionaire. What you're saying is a third of Donald Trump's net worth at that time was due to this particular property. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know what's cool? Uh huh. Ninety-five percent of that was unsold units I, <laughs> in most uh, years. <laughs> okay, I I I I cannot overemphasize <laughs> the level of fraud here, right? So I'm just going to read from from the bottom of paragraph one fourteen, which is evidence obtained by the attorney general establishes that unsold residential condominium units represented the lion's share of reported value parenthesis in excess of 95% in some years. Let that sink in. Okay. So he owns a whole bunch of condos. 95% are empty. Okay. So on the 2011 statement of financial condition, the reported value was $311 million with unsold units comprising 293 million of that value. In other words, less than $20 million in actual reportable income for that particular piece of property, right? In, 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 I use the word income. I, I should not. Um, it, less than $20 million in justifiable valuation of the asset of that property. You take that away, right? That's a third of of Donald Trump's reported assets, you know, as Mr. Successful Billionaire, um, just 
completely bad. Taking something that everybody agrees it's a terrible thing to have, right? Like just just imagine, right? Like if if you were a real estate developer and I said, "Good news, ninety five percent of my condominiums are unoccupied," mm-hmm. you would you would have me committed. You'd be <laughs> like, "Wait, wait, wait!" So you're saying I have to pay the upkeep on all of these condos and I can't sell them. Yeah, that's correct. I can't lease them. No, that's correct. I, nobody wants them. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, that's a huge asset. <laughs> yeah, he also failed to account for rent-stabilized units. Uh, and, again, Trump Trump actually kept a second set of books listing the actual value for this and multiple Trump condos. And Trump used the actual values for running day-to-day operations, but, again, inflated them in his financial condition statement for the banks. And and that's because they had a second set of books for compensation, too, right? That was, that was in the Manhattan DA's indictments for Weisselberg and Trump. And Trump says he got those values from outside professionals. But the AG said, we looked, we couldn't find one single one. And in fact, McConaughey testified Trump dropped the outside professionals reference in his 2020 filing because he was caught, basically. And uh, Ivanka was offered a Park Avenue apartment, by the way, for $8.5 million after they valued it at $21 million on his financial condition statement. So we, we now we drag Ivanka into this mess. Yeah. So... um if we were to kind of wrap all of this together in one giant package and put a big red bow on it, what, what's, what's your takeaway from, the, from this latest filing, AG? Uh, he's a terrible businessman. He's not worth what he says he's worth. And he lied to banks and the IRS. I don't think I could have put it any better myself. <laughs> For different reasons. Yeah. For different reasons. Yeah. And insurers, too. I forgot insurers. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and so I, I guess that's a that's a good way to kind of put all of this into context, right? Because look, we could spend another two hours going through the details. We could spend ten hours going through the yeah. details. It's delightful. Um, this is uh, publicly available at the uh, New York Attorney General's office. So if you you want to read along with us, go uh, go grab those documents. We've been looking at the supplemental verified petition. Um, here here's the significance: when you overstate your assets. Donald Trump has done so for two reasons that have benefited him personally. This is the gravamen of the fraud. This is the 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 quo or the quid, right? This is this is what he's getting out of it. Um, when you say you have more assets than you do, then banks will lend you money they wouldn't otherwise lend you, <laughs> um, and uh, then you can use that to acquire more dubious assets that you've run into the ground and overstated. So when when we say it looks like the Trump empire is a house of cards. Um, that's what we mean by that. Yeah, it is. Meaning- and, and even even like Capital One was like, something's weird. And, you know, they did their own valuation on some of these properties and said, we can't lend you. We can't give you this additional loan. You're t- that's not what this property is worth. And and actually what happened was Weisselberg ended up going to his son's bank, Ladder Capital, to get the to get a valuation like a an inflated valuation and and of course AG has evidence that that was BS based on she says demonstrably incorrect facts and then Trump turned around and said the property was worth even more on his financial condition statement that year after it had already been so it's just it goes on and on and on and I think if you have to if you're trying to establish a pattern you got one yeah I mean I- it's so obvious here. 
I think I think that's right. So, um, you know, it's <laughs> we 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 like uh, we hope you've enjoyed this, you know, kind of special deep dive breaking down these filings. Um, are they are they worth being uh, overjoyed and excited about? I, I, I think they are. Is it is I it am. the end? It's it's you know it, it no but you know <laughs> right right what's the uh, Winston Churchill quote like it might be the end of the beginning right <sighs> yeah um, uh, and uh, and and I, I think that's right and I think that um, if if you move into a position where these folks I'm, I'm you know I'm thinking of the uh, uh, the dialogue from uh, Trading Places right like the best way to hurt rich people is by turning them into poor, poor people, people. <laughs> so. Let's, yeah, maybe we should man. bet one dollar on one whether or not. He- <laughs> Ooh, I, okay, all right. That's uh, that's our goal for uh, for for clean up all uh, clean up on all forty five episode fifty five. We'll we will come up with our one dollar bet. We'll do that one week from today. Sounds good. And of course, you know, I, on our way out here, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Your horse in this race, right, which is Georgia Fulton County DA, has been granted her special grand jury. So uh, that's going to be um, that's moving a lot quicker than I than I had thought it would. So I'm I'm looking forward to see who gets subpoenaed there. Uh, also wondering if the Department of Justice needs to or has already or tried to talk to Raffensperger. He seems very cooperative. He just wants to be subpoenaed for it. Uh, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what goes on, but I, I think Raffensperger's testimony is going to be key. And, uh, he, he seems to, you know, be forthcoming. He's told everybody, I mean, he's been very public about this, you know? Yep. And, so. and, and let's this, the reason this is my horse is because Georgia law is exceptionally clear. What makes it a crime is when you ask somebody, uh, when you try and get an elections official to enter any figure in connection with any election that you know to be fraudulent, right? And and here's what that means. That means when Donald Trump says, I won by 400,000 votes, but I don't need 400,000 votes. I just need you to find me 11,799. What he's saying is, I don't care if you put the right number down. I just want you to put down a number that makes me win. And 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 that deprives Trump of his best defense in this case. Yeah, right? even Which if is, he did win by four hundred thousand yeah, votes, he's, he's still he's, asking for a fraudulent number. Exactly right, and that is something you can explain to a jury. You can say to them, "You will hear testimony, right, that says, uh, you know, in a hypothetical event, uh, that says, uh, you know, either from from uh, Donald Trump directly or from those around him that says he truly believes he won the election." That those ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that testimony is a red herring. It does not matter if Donald Trump believed in these insane conspiracy theories, which, by the way, are not true. We will prove are not true. It does not matter because at the end of the day, you have one job. The question is, did Donald Trump tell the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, to enter a figure he knew to be false, whether that was too high or too low. The law does not matter if he wanted somebody to enter a number that was incorrect. And we know exactly why, right? Because he wanted to change the outcome. That's a crime and you must convict. Yeah. And it's very important that we elect Stacey Abrams. (sighs) 
<laughs> oh god so, so much so, so there's much. no pardons <laughs> yep all right what a cool show this was great breaking this down i've got three threads on this on twitter if you want to look up the nyag filing oh that's uh, so good i i highly endorse those <laughs> thank you uh thank you very much and uh, uh yeah we're gonna see what whew, i mean we've got so much going on next week should be an interesting show uh, we live in interesting times my friend Yep. Yes, we do. House of Cards coming down. Thank you very much. I've been Allison Gill. I'm Andrew Torres. We'll see you next week on Clean Up on Aisle 45. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is written, researched, and produced by Allison Gill and Andrew Torres with editing by Molly Hockey. Our art and logo designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design. Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, beating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House, thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of way to win and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez Ancona. And, and this, this is, is how we win. win. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. 
expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is lawyers, guns, and money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.